I was watching a video this week. Um, it was JFK. Uh, he was doing a speech, um, and probably some of you uh, have heard the speech. Uh, and uh, so, so he was speaking to Congress, and it was, a, it was one of his probably most famous speeches. And, and I don't, uh, I don't speak uh, Martin's figures, but it was the one where he said, "Within a decade, we will go to the moon." Right? And, and bring the man safely back. Right? And, then, and I, I don't speak Martha's Vineyard. It's, it's crazy that a man from Massachusetts can't speak uh, and, and do a, a good JFK accent. But, um, but we're really not connected to people on Martha's Vineyard. But it's interesting about any speech, of course, if you watch any political speech, they, they, they speak in, in little, short, uh, little short statements and wait for applause. And, of course, it's JFK. So, so there's all this applause every time he stops. And he's speaking about... Of aeronautics, and, and he's leading up to his big line. This is his big line in his speech about going to the moon and, and, and coming back within a decade. And so there's all this applause. And if you watch the video, he leads up to his big line, and there was dead silence. There, there, there's no applause. It is like it's like he looks embarrassed and kind of goes on with his speech, and ends pretty quickly. And then of course he's done, uh, and everybody claps. And there's some there's some backstory to that particular speech, uh, he had talked with the, the head of NASA previous, not necessarily right before the speech, but in, in leading up to this announcement that, that we were going to pursue this goal of going to the moon uh, in a decade. And, and the, the head of NASA assured him that it was possible. And, and later on, the head of NASA was telling him, <clears throat> we had, or, or was telling this, this person, this reporter, that we had no plan. He came to us and said, he wanted to say this in a speech, and it's JFK, so what are you going to do? Tell him not to say it? That we have no way that it's, that it's completely impossible to do? So, no, we, we, we just said, okay, yeah, go ahead, make your speech. We had no plan when he made that speech as to how we were ever going to get to the moon and back within a decade. And I imagine if you were Ezekiel, we're going to read, uh, we're going to turn to Ezekiel chapter 37. We're going to read a series of... of uh, visions, dreams that he had, that I'm sure as he is sitting here and, and saying these things, they're, they're completely incomprehensible to Ezekiel. He says in chapter 37, this is probably the, the most well-known vision or one of, of, of Ezekiel's, Ezekiel 37, it says, the hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out of the spirit of the Lord. He set me down in the middle of the valley and it was full of bones. And he caused me to go around them, and behold, there was very many in the open valley, and they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, O Lord God, you know. And he said to me, Well, then prophesy to these bones, and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Surely I will cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live, and I will put tendons on you and bring flesh on you and cover your skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded and there was noise and a rattling and the bones came together bone to bone and as I looked the tendons and the flesh came upon them and the skin covered them over but there was no breath in them. So I said to me prophesy to the breath prophesy son of man say this is what the Lord God says come from the four winds breath and breathe on these flames that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me. And breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet in exceedingly great army. He said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They indeed say that our bones are dry, our hope is lost, and we ourselves are cut off. 
Therefore, prophesy and say to them, this is what the Lord God says, Behold my people, I will open your graves, and I will cause you to come up from your graves, and I will bring you to the land of Israel, and you shall know that I am the Lord, that I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up. I will put my spirit in you, and you shall live, and I will place you in your own land, and you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it. Now again the word of the Lord came to me and said, As to you, some man, take a stick for yourself and write on it. For Judah and for the children of Israel and his companions. Now take another stick and write on it. For Joseph, the stick of Ephraim, and for all the house of Israel and his companions. And put them together into one stick and they will become one in your hand. When your children of your people speak to you saying, Will you not show us what you mean by this? Say to them, This is what the Lord God says. Surely I will take the stick of Joseph, which is the hand of Ephraim, uh, is the tribe of Israel and his companions, and I will join them with the stick of Judah and make them one stick, and they will be one in my hand. And the sticks which you write will be in your hand in front of their eyes. And then say to them, This is what the Lord God says, Surely I will take the children of Israel from among the nations wherever they've gone. And I will gather them on every side and bring them to their own land, and I will make them one nation in the land of the mountains of Israel. And one king shall be over them all, and they shall no longer be two nations. They shall never be divided into two kingdoms again. They shall not defile themselves anymore with their idols, the detestable things and their transgressions. But I will deliver them from all their dwelling places in which they sin, and I will clean them. And they shall be my people, and I will be their God. David, my servant, shall be a king over them, and they shall all have one shepherd. They shall walk in my judgments and observe my statutes, and they will do them. And they shall dwell in that land, for I have given Jacob my servant where your fathers dwell. And they will dwell there, they and their children, their children's children forever. And my servant David will be their prince forever. Moreover, I will make a covenant of peace with them, and it shall be an everlasting covenant with them. I will establish them and multiply them, and I will put my sanctuary in their midst forever. My tabernacle will be with them, and indeed I will be their God. They will be my people. The nations will know that I, the Lord, sanctify Israel when my sanctuary is in their midst forever. What a crazy, crazy set of prophecies. You read this and go, what in the world does this mean? Can dry bones live? And he's told, do the impossible. Right? It's like JFK sitting there and the nasty guy's going, I don't know how we're going to do this. God says, do you think these dry bones can live? And you get the feeling, I get the feeling that maybe, uh, just me, that Ezekiel's sitting there and doesn't really want to tell God, no, I don't think they can because, you know, they're bones. It's just a pile of bones. You don't want to tell God, no, I don't think you can. But you don't want to say, you don't really want to lie to God either. You don't want to say, yes, God, they can live. Because you don't really believe it. So he goes, you know God. You know whether they can. And so he takes like the political way out. He kind of gets out of that, that answer. And God says, well, here. You're going to tell the bones to live. And so he now has the duty to, to tell these bones what he doesn't think can happen. We're going to the moon. And we're going to look at what these two prophecies mean a little bit. As we look at this, he says, first thing, we'll talk about bones. What are bones? These bones are dead. He calls them the, the bones of the slain. And, and specifically, he's talking about Israel. people who've been dead for some time. Now remember, this is a vision. This probably didn't actually happen. Uh, this is a vision that he's been given. And so he starts with bones. This, no doubt, and, and God repeats this throughout this whole vision. Listen, it will be known 
that whatever happens here, I did it. There can be no doubt that this comes from me. These miracles, these things that I'm doing, whatever this is going to, to symbolize, it's going to be something obvious that only I can do it. God gives life. God is going to take a, a dead people and give them renewed life. It says he adds tendons. This is that which joins the bones and, and, and muscle. And so he adds the flesh after that. The mechanism by which bones move which gives them the ability to accomplish and, and do things. I mean, these bones started out, they weren't even a skeleton. I mean, tendons is what keeps it, and, and, and ligaments, technically, right? Keep it together. It's what keeps it together. Without those, it's just a, it's just a pile of bones. can't do anything. And I'm going to give it muscles. I'm going to give it the ability to move. And I'm going to cover it with skin. I'm going to make it look like a man again. I'm going to like make it look like something. And he's, he's talking about the nation of Israel is what he's specifically talking about. They've been spread out like a bunch of bones all over the place. And so I'm going to bring it back together again. I'm going to make it stand up. I'm going to make Israel something again. But he wasn't just going to make it look like something. He says... And it was, it was sitting there, and it was wonderful. It looked, looked like a body. Okay, it's got a body, but it's just, there was still no breath in them. Right? He's just, okay, so it came together. But there was no breath in verse 8. And so Israel was told to prophesy to the air. Or, that, that word means a, a lot of different things. It can mean air, it can mean spirit, it can mean breath. A prophesider. The air, I don't know, comes from the four winds. Make it breathe. Make it living. Make it function. And so the structure stands up at this point. It's just laying out there. The potential was there. There it was a body. The potential was there. Potential is one of the worst insults you can ever get. He has potential. That just means he's not doing anything. And that's what it means. He has great potential. Well, that's wonderful. Here was a body with a lot of potential. But it didn't mean anything until, until God gave it the Spirit. Until God breathed life into it. and says, do something. And that's when it stood up. And the Spirit animated it. And God did the same thing too. To Israel, okay, we're coming back together and we're, we're coming back to Jerusalem, but God didn't just bring it back to Jerusalem just to be a, a city, but he, he brought it back to accomplish something. He had ideas for Israel. Just like he has ideas for us. And that's what it meant. It specifically was about Israel. They were dead people, scattered, decayed from years of, of doing evil. But God says, there's lots of potential here. So he gathered them back, not just to make them appear like a people, not just to make them appear like a nation, 
but to have spiritual life. God gives life, and only God gives life. To those who are lost and abroad, scattered, God gives life. To those who feel that they are not living, God gives breath. You ever feel dry? They weren't just bones. They were dry bones. Not even any marrow inside of them. Just dried up. Dry symbolizes a lot of things. A dry well. We're talking about a dry well. Well, good luck with that. Dry weather. Dry signifies, and whenever you talk about it, it signifies no hope. And that's what he talks about. Verse 11, he says, He said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They indeed say, Our bones are dry. Our hope is lost. Dry means no hope. No strength left. No nothing left. Nothing of value. Just brittle. Just wasting away. And sometimes I think in each of our lives we we can come across times in our lives where we're just, I feel dry. I have no energy. I have nothing. Nothing. I feel hopeless perhaps in this particular thing, or, or, or not necessarily in general, but, but here is something that I feel hopeless in. Here is a situation that seems to me hopeless, and God has the cure for it. But only God has the cure for it. What do you think has no hope? Imagine being asked to command dry bones. To start with dry bones. I can't imagine being Ezekiel and being told, and and I'm sure this felt very real to him, and being asked to tell dry bones to come on. He says, this is hopeless. Do it. Because God has the ability. How often we pray for things, bracing ourselves for the worst. We, we, We pray for things and we want things to happen so often. And yet we, we brace ourselves for disappointment. Like, like God can't do that, surely. This is so we kind of hedge our bets in our prayers. God, you know, I would like this, but I know you don't always do the things we want. And we start hedging our bets in our prayers already. Because there's a part of us that thinks, God can't do this. This is not natural. And imagine just, you know, as Ezekiel looks at this and he's in captivity and he's looking at the most powerful nation on the planet. And, and he knows Ezekiel. And Ezekiel said, or, or excuse me, he knows Jeremiah. Ezekiel knows Jeremiah. Jeremiah said it's over in 70 years. And imagine looking at the strongest nation in the world and saying, in 70 years this thing is going to be over and done. That's impossible. That's impossible. Within within a couple of decades, right? It's over. No. We're going to Babylon and back in, in a couple of decades? No way. Really, that can't happen. Yes, it can. If God says it can happen. God has the cure for hopelessness. 
we come to this second part of this these sticks. He's talking about grafting trees together. This is actually a reference used much later. Paul used the same reference talking about grafting together. And, and when we read this, it seems to contradict other things that, that we read. Because God had said, in, in the immediate history of this, God had said, listen, there's, there's these two nations. One is in the north and one is in the south. And the north had said nothing but bad things. Vile from the day they were, they, the two nations were separate. And God says, you're going into captivity into Assyria. Assyria would be like northern Iraq. That's, probably, that's where Nineveh was. And he's like, you're going there and you're never coming back. You're going to become a part of these people. You're going to be taken all over the world. And you're going to be spread out. And you're, not, you're going to cease to exist as a group of people. However, the, the Jews, the southern kingdom where Jerusalem was, they're going to Babylon for 70 years and then they're coming back. They're not going to lose their identity. And they have it. We're, we're 2,500 years later. They still have their identity. Oh, when God says something, He means it. And, and when God says, it happens, just like He says. How many people have tried to wipe out this group of people in history? God says, listen, they're not going to lose their identity. And yet here, He says, I'm going to take these two sticks and they're going to become one stick. What in the world? How can He say, over here, that this northern group of people is going to lose their identity, and yet here in, in Ezekiel, chapter 37, he says, no, they're going to come back and they're going to be one together. It seems to me, when I read that, that uh, there's a contradiction here. He's talking about unity in this passage. I went to college and uh, I met a guy. I, I got there the first week I was there, setting up my dorm room and everything. There was this tall guy named Luke He's a tall redhead guy. And uh, we didn't get along so well. Uh, he had a low regard for other people's time, space, and property. I, on the other hand, was a obnoxious kid from New England with an overdeveloped sense of the importance of my own time, space, and personal property. So you can imagine how well we got on. Um, not very Two years later, his cousin, Patrick, came to college. Uh, we, we got along a little bit better. And so when Patrick came, uh, his family came, and uh, another redhead came uh, to, to the school when Patrick came to school, helped them set up so the shorter redhead of the opposite gender. So Luke and I are now cousins. Sort of. Isn't that interesting? And God says, I'm going to take these two groups of people that, that can't seem to get along together, and I just, God has a sense of humor, I think, sometimes. And He says, here, you're going to get to see a lot of each other in the future. And, and here's these two groups of people in Ezekiel 37 that really didn't like each other a whole lot. God says, get used to each other. I still don't get how this, how this could happen when one group lost its identity. They were a lost nation, and they were 
genetically, we people have tried to trace them. They think they might actually be what is now considered Afghanistan. Imagine that. Jews or relatives of Jews who are now people who live in Afghanistan, but that's all conjecture. How can they have unity? That is one simple answer. This is talking about the church. You see, the message didn't stop with just the Jews, but, but God says we're going to take everybody, Jews or not Jews, and there's only one way you can have unity. It makes no difference where you are in this planet. God says, I can take people who think completely differently and I can give them unity. So long as I accept a common identity, so long as I accept breath from God, so long as I accept the miracles that He does in people, the hope He gives, the life He gives. There are moments that you feel helpless. Are there things that you don't dare ask God for? Because you're afraid that the answer will be no? I don't dare ask that. Because that that couldn't possibly happen. Can God do that for me? Yes, He can. He's the God who can bring dry bones to life if He wishes. Or maybe you feel drained of life at times. You feel stretched too thin? You feel that you have lost energy and passion? Do you feel that you need to be revived at times? God can breathe new life. There's a reference in here when he told them to stand up. This is important. And this is where we will end. When he told them to stand up, he told them to stand up as an army. He didn't tell them to stand up as individuals. He didn't tell them to stand up as lots of things. But specifically, he designated that they were to stand up as an army. You were not called to have life individually. You were not called to have hope individually. Because it is incredibly difficult to maintain life and energy and passion and hope by yourself. He called them to stand up as an army. We sung a song Standing on the Promises. There's two songs that you can't sing sitting down. That one and Stand Up, Stand Up for Jesus. I've never sung those songs sitting down. We're going to close in song. Why don't you stand? And as we do, I want you to leave you with this thought. And we'll turn it over. That you were called to be a part of an army. 
Not to be a body laying down. You're given breath. You're given hope. You're given life to much. 